The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. So this week's questions are about what do you do with incessant potty talk? Do you ignore it? If so, for how long? How long does it take to just get it to stop? Or can you set boundaries around it? Then for the next question, what do you do about major meltdowns and with situations that you cannot avoid? So I'll answer those questions and then I'm gonna talk about our latest parenting challenge, which was the death of a beloved family pet. We had to put our rescue boxer Lexi to sleep this past week, and I'll talk about how we navigated that with the kids. Before I get into the questions, I do want to remind you that I have started the seven-day free trial memberships, and again, right now, only offering this to podcast listeners. So if you've been wanting to or thinking about trying out the classes, This is a great way to try them out free for seven days. You do get access to all the classes on the site. You won't be limited, but you won't be able to get your personalized parenting questions answered in those first seven days because those are a big time commitment for me to type up those answers and send those off. But if you love the classes, when your membership of choice kicks in after those seven days, at that point, if you have a parenting question, you can submit that from your account page to the Ask Erin form to get it answered within 48 to 72 hours. I usually try to get to it pretty quickly, but if it's over a weekend, it might be 72 hours. But if it's just not for you, you're not getting what you need, and you cancel in that first seven days, you don't pay anything. You have complete control over your account to change your membership, cancel, update your payment information, etc. from any time from the account page. So to get this offer for free, so to get the offer for a free seven-day trial membership of your choice, you can go to yourvillageonline.com slash free dash trial. That's yourvillageonline.com slash free dash trial. So let's get to the questions. The first question is about incessant potty talk from Julie, and she wrote, Hi, Erin. I've been listening to your podcast for over a year now and have found myself recently hanging on your every word for some answers to my problem. And I've also recently become a member. My son, who has just turned four, is obsessed with potty language. He is a very smart and sweet boy, but is all about the humor and attention. From the minute he rolls out of bed, he begins testing the limits of how loud he can say things like butt and fart. He tries saying them hidden in phrases or songs and then shoots me a knowing glance waiting for my reaction. I have tried ignoring this. I mean, he's not hurting anyone, right? It's just annoying, right? 
Well, a few weeks ago, we were leaving the library and I asked him to say goodbye to his friends. He said, bye-bye, library. Thanks for letting me fart in you. Then he turned around and bent over and made fart noises. I was mortified. I know physical consequences like yanking his arm or twisting his ear isn't the best option, but I may have done that then. Since the library incident, I have tried taking away things like sweets, which they rarely get anyway, so I just use that as the first negative consequence. Juice, screen time, or playtime with friends. After all that has been taken away, I usually start adding up minutes in their room, four minutes per infraction. Still today, the struggle is real and I'm following up with negative consequences all day long. What is a better consequence for potty language and where do we draw the line? Instead of fart, now he says toot, or he'll say disgusting pants, implying some messy underwear. I know the kid is bright and he needs more of a challenge, intellectual stimulation. I plan to get him busier with chores, allowance, and jujitsu. How else would you recommend I go forward with this? Sincerely, Julie. Now for Julie and any other parents dealing with this stage, this potty talk stage is, as you probably know, very, very common at this age. For whatever reason, preschoolers find this potty talk hilarious. Now, I do have to say, I actually found it hard not to crack up with some of the things that he had said as well. But the good news is, it's funny how you forget all about it as your kids get older. As I read through Julie's message, I was reminded of when my kids went through this stage, which I've obviously forgotten about since then because it doesn't happen very often anymore. The good news about this is they will grow out of it. I had three that would egg each other on and laugh at each other every time they used those lovely words, the potty words. Of course, any positive reinforcement, laugh, attention, or from the parent or other children only reinforces the behavior. So when there's multiple children in the house, that can make that a little more difficult. So, Julie, your son has ever received any enforcement, especially in the form of laughter from anyone, you're probably now working against that reinforcement, trying to teach him it's not funny, at least not to you. So the best thing to do really is to ignore it while you're at home or in private, but you can set any boundaries around it that you feel are important. So what we did for us, there was no potty talk at the dinner table. If you used potty talk, you were excused immediately and done with your dinner. There was also no potty talk in public places, especially restaurants or other more formal or polite gatherings. Now, an infraction there would lead to one warning and a second offense was we leave or one of us takes the offending child away from the gathering. So away from the table, away from the restaurant. I don't really remember having problems in restaurants at all. We must have set those boundaries pretty strictly. I'm sure it probably happened once or twice. It just definitely wasn't something ongoing because we probably nipped it in the bud pretty quickly. For the library, I know it was as you were leaving, so this makes this a little tricky, but I think the best solution there is a warning for next time, a reminder about potty talk in public places, and if he does it at the library again, he will not get to check out the books. If it's after the books are checked out, you will return them immediately, and he won't get to take them home. Using the library means being respectful of the library and the other people there. So those are some good ways, some good consequences for that, right? We act a certain way in certain public places, and if we can't act accordingly, then we're not going to get to go there, and we're certainly not going to get to engage and interact with the positive things in that place, like the library and the books they get to take home. 
So this way you're allowing some room to explore the potty talk and get it out of his system at home. You're learning and practicing ignoring it. I know it's hard, but the more you bring attention to it, the more it's going to ramp up, which is why he's now doing that testing with you. Just checking, are you listening? With friends or peers, you're teaching the boundaries about respectful behavior in public at meals, etc. The next question from Stacy. My son is three and a half and just started preschool. He has epic meltdown temper tantrums when we don't let him get his way. One specific example is after we pick him up from preschool. Every single day, he wants to play with the neighbor kid who is six years old. Once in a while, even a few days a week, I wouldn't mind, but I have a five-month-old baby and my husband travels for work and it gets to be a lot managing their playtime and fights over toys. Playing at his house isn't an option because they have a very large dog who isn't friendly to visitors. What techniques can I try? Set the expectation before school that they can't play? How would I word or phrase this? Once he's in a tantrum, it's difficult to get him out of it. I try relating to his feelings, but unless I'm willing to give him what he wants, the whining, hitting, following us around screaming and crying goes on forever. Thanks for your time, Stacy. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, By Heart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Our blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk, alpha-lac, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum, along with broken down, partially hydrolyzed proteins. By Heart is an easy-to-digest formula. In addition to its patented protein blend, our formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. By Heart is the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. Curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at So setting the expectation before school will be too long. He won't be able to remember that by the end of the school day. So that won't really help. But reminding him when you leave school, right when you pick him up or on the car ride home or even all of the above, right? You can remind him at pickup, setting the expectation, and then as you're getting close to home. Along with that, if there's a way that you could choose a particular day of the week that he can play with the neighbor, if it's just one day a week and you can manage that, then I would work on that. This way you can say, we can't do this today. Our play day with so-and-so is on Thursdays, remember? So that's in two more days. You can use it when he starts to get emotional to pull him back from going into complete the complete meltdown stage. Remember, take a few deep breaths. 
I know you want to play with so-and-so today, but our play date is Thursday. So we're going to wait until Thursday and I need you to stay in control or we won't be able to have our play date on Thursday. Now, it doesn't mean he can't be upset or disappointed, just that he can't get too far beyond the hitting, the repeated asking, the whining of why can't we play today? Why can't we play today? That's not acceptable. Connecting with the feelings. I know you're disappointed. I know you were excited about the idea of is as good and teaches him how to share his feelings. I'm sad we can't play today. So that he's sharing feelings, but accepting that today isn't the day. And then you can talk about that. And that's all really good ways to work on that. The other thing is to have something he likes to do that might be interesting or inviting instead. So a particular activity or a snack, now not as a bribe, right? Uh, It's just something fun he might like that you can remind him, remember today we're going to have our snack and then watch Sesame Street. Thursday is your play date with Jack. So it gives him something else to look forward to, something else to focus his attention on that's also interesting. Now the scheduled day may really help to cut down on the frustration, but when it's not today, not today, not today, it feels like it's never going to happen and the constant disappointment every day day can kind of build up over time and make them wonder like, well, when is this ever going to happen? And it really, really builds up that frustration and all eventually sort of blows through like a pressure cooker. And so, so now on to our situation. Last week was a very particularly hard week for our family. We have two dogs. Well, we had two dogs who were both on the older side. Our boxer, Lexi, was 12 and a half. She was a rescue from the local animal shelter that we picked out shortly after we lost another dog. And the dog we have now, which is our only dog, was very, very young. And when my dog had passed away, she was very lonely. She was howling a lot. So we went and picked out Lexi. Now, Carter was only four months old at the time. So the kids have only ever known life with these dogs. Well, Lexi was very sick with pancreatitis. She could not absorb any nutrients from her food. And we tried treating her with a prescription, but it just wasn't working. And she was just getting so skinny. I struggled because she was eating and still walking around okay, but I also realized that she was slowly starving to death and the medicine was just not working. So I'd made the decision last Tuesday. I didn't want her to suffer. And yet we had to try to figure out the best time. I felt like the weekend was just too long to make her wait. So we decided that Wednesday evening was the best time for everyone's schedule and to give the kids some chance to grieve before they needed to go back to school to do what was best for Lexi and to end her suffering. So I decided to tell the kids a few hours before the appointment so they would have time to visit with her and say goodbye, but not too long as to be heartbroken and sad thinking about it all day at school before or the whole night before, before the vet came over. So I picked up the kids from school on Wednesday. I brought them home and I sat them down. We'd been having talks with them for probably six months, very infrequently at first, but we'd let them know that both dogs were getting older and that while both seemed pretty healthy, that older dogs' health can change pretty quickly and that it's important to love and appreciate them while we have them. But then, four months into preparing them for this, we saw Lexi getting skinny and sicker. And we took her to the vet and got the diagnosis. Knew we were going to try to treat her, but we didn't know how it was going to go. And so we started having the talks more frequently. There was even a day a few weeks ago, I thought it was time. And 
I just thought she was done, but then she got up and ate, and so, you know, we didn't take her in that day. I wanted to give the medicine some more time to work because we just started giving it to her. But this time, on Wednesday, last Wednesday, I had to let them know that the time had really come, and we needed to help her because we love her. Now, our kids are older. They're 9, 9, and 10. Our twins just turned 9 last week. And they're at the ages where they do fully understand the finality of death from the earthly physical form perspective that your form, your physical form on earth is finished. Now that was tough news to give and it was tough news to take. And I had three crying kids. We opted to have a vet come to the house. This way Lexi didn't have to get dragged into the office. You know, it's always an anxiety provoking trip for any dog and she would get to die peacefully at home. Also, this way I felt was much better for the kids. They could come and go as they wished or wanted or needed. Um, I had explained what would happen. And the vet did the same thing when she arrived. And she was really wonderful with the kids. She asked if they understood why we were doing this. And Chandler answered her beautifully. She explained the procedure as well, like I had done for them. And she and her assistant were really amazing. They were kind and warm. They explained each step as they went. They allowed us plenty of time to visit with Lexi um, before and then after she was calmed down. So first they got Lexi comfortable and the kids were all crying and tearing up by this point. And Chandler decided he just didn't want to be around that this was too hard. And so he ran off crying to his room. I went with him to comfort him, snuggle with him. Then my husband and I traded so I could go say goodbye to Lexi before they put her all the way out, all the way to sleep, and then before they gave the final injection. Once the vet finished the third and last step, my oldest son asked, is it finished? And when the vet said yes, he began absolutely sobbing. She left us alone as a family to visit with Lexi, and then she came back in for her. We walked out with her. They carried her out on a gurney. We walked out with her. They placed her in the back of their car. And they left us once again to say goodbye. And Carter was absolutely sobbing, laying his head, laying his body on the dog in the back of their SUV. And he was the closest to her, to both dogs, because he's been in charge of feeding them for the last two years now. I asked each of them if they wanted me to email their teachers to let them know in case they were having an emotional day at school the next day, and all three of them had said yes. Now, also, all three kids are at a new school now, so this is a brand new school, and all three teachers were absolutely wonderful, warm, caring, engaging educators. Luckily, the kids are so happy at this school and so happy they moved. So that was really helpful in making this difficult issue a lot less stressful in sending them to school the next day. Now, Thursday morning, about three hours into the school day, Carter's teacher did call me and she said he was having a really difficult time at school and he wanted to come home. I had also told the kids that they absolutely could do if they needed to come home. So he hung out with me the remainder of the day until I went to pick up his siblings, and he just wanted to be nearby. We cuddled, we talked, and we just kept each other company. You know, when we talked over the next several days, I told him I know it's hard. It's one of the hardest parts about life, losing someone you love and coming to understand that death is a part of life. I told him it's really hard at first getting used to the idea of not seeing this person or this animal around every day but that each day will get a little bit better and soon it won't hurt so much. And each day has gotten better. He's gotten a lot better already. He says he misses her about once a day, 
or at least he was at first. He hasn't said that in several days now. And I just let him know that I do too when he says that and that I totally understand. And then on Sunday, the kids had a swim meet. And as he was leaving, as we were leaving, we saw a boxer and he broke down in tears again. He saw the boxer and broke down in tears. And I said, you miss Lexi, don't you? And he said, yeah. And I said, yeah, I do too. So the important thing in working with kids about death is being there to support them, being there to support their feelings, letting them share their feelings. And you're going to handle death at different ways, at different ages, based on their understanding. Ages nine and above, they really do understand death pretty well. Before that, they don't really quite understand. And the younger they are, the less they understand it. And so due to this experience, I have started creating the class on helping children through death. It discusses death, what children understand or not at each age, how to help them cope with and through the grieving process in age-appropriate ways, depending on their age. And this is one of those hard topics that flusters many adults because they just don't know what to say or how to say it or discuss it or be comfortable being present for those deep and tough life conversations. And very few of us get really good role models in some of these types of deeper life struggles. So I'm creating that class for parents who want or will need to be ready to handle this type of subject matter. In addition, I've also already created another new class. It's currently in the production stage. I will be recording that and editing that over the weekend, and then we'll be releasing that in the next week or two. That one is almost ready to go. And this one is learning styles and multiple intelligence. And this is such an important topic because understanding your children's learning styles and areas of intelligence, both where they shine and where they struggle is really helpful to understand why and where they may struggle or not in their education and academic process and how to advocate for that. Because there are three learning styles and most schools teach mainly and or predominantly to one type. Also, there's eight areas of intelligence, but schools and IQ tests only test and teach three to four of these. So if your child or children don't happen to excel in those four areas or only a few of those, but also in other ways that are not commonly graded or tested in schools, you can not only see and appreciate your child's talents, you can help your child understand how their talents may not quite fall into or seen be seen by the traditional academic rating system. You can then know what you're working with and how to advocate for their needs, work on their struggles, or find a different solution to support their growth of their strengths as well if they're not getting that in school. And this is really why I needed to move schools for my younger son. And also, it turns out my older son is just flourishing much better in the new school as well. And my daughter is perfectly happy there too. They're all really happy, so it's been a great move. It's the flexibility of the teaching. They teach in different styles. They teach lots of different ways and subjects and to different types of skills and abilities and talents. There's project-based learning, and this has really turned out to be a better fit for all three kids. So I will announce when each of these classes is fully available on the website as well, but you can go and see all of the other 
over 50 classes available on demand in all different areas of positive discipline, development and health topics, education topics, and modern parenting at yourvillageonline.com. And again, if you're interested in checking out the classes for seven days for free, go to yourvillageonline.com slash free dash trial. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, you can send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.